Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, everyone. It's great to be together again. And we are, as uh, Pastor Stacy has already said, we are at week four of our Holy Spirit series. And so uh, I'm so excited about bringing the message to you today. Before we go straight to our uh, introduction clip, why don't we just pray together? Father, we just thank you for your presence, Lord, with us right now. Wherever we are, God, whatever we our body feels like, whatever our emotions feel like, whatever circumstances are around us, I thank you, God, that you stay the same yesterday, today, and forever, that your love toward us is consistent, your nature toward us is consistent. You move in dynamic and different ways, and we want to be flexible. We want to be open and ready to go wherever you want us to go today. But God, we just thank you that you are with us, that Lord, because of you, we have hope. Because of the cross, we have forgiveness. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have power. We have what we need to do everything that you've called us to do. And I just know in this moment, oh God, that there is going to be a supernatural impartation of your spirit, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are gonna be activated in our lives. And I'm praying right now, oh God, for every sick person that's watching this online, that from the crown of their head down to the soles of their feet, that right now in Jesus' name, your healing power, would invade their body and begin to remove all diseases, tumours, sicknesses, anything, oh God, that has been toxic in their body. Father, we're praying for complete healing, complete restoration. We pray, Lord, that as a result of this prayer in this moment, by faith, that testimonies will abound, that miracles will break out. The signs and wonders will accompany the preaching of the Word today. Father, I pray, would you illuminate our minds by the Holy Spirit? Would you draw us closer into your Word, draw us closer into your heart? May we become more like Jesus through your word today. We commit this moment to you and every person who's watching online in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you look to the screens and uh, let's watch this series clip on the Holy Spirit. Peace, be still. Jesus once spoke this to the violent storm that sought to fling us into the murky ocean depths. And when he left us, still the storm came. In the waiting, my heart stormed as it yearned for something that I never knew I'd decide before. The cords of selfish ambition and doubt within me were severed as he disappeared into the clouds and a new cord drove me down to my knees in supplication and holy surrender. And on our knees is where we were found as the Holy Spirit came down. The sound like a rushing wind filled our ears and tongues of fire descended upon our heads, each of us being transformed into a holy temple housing his presence. We began to utter words we had never heard before and spoke with wisdom that was not our own. We traveled to places we had only ever heard of and preached to people we once believed could never be reached. And the yearning has never stopped. For until he returns, far and wide we will spread the word 
with the Holy Spirit as our guide, we will cover the earth. Well, I'm sure like you that uh, you uh, have found these series uh, helpful. I personally have really enjoyed preparing these messages and bringing them to you. And uh, there's so much about the person and power of the Holy Spirit that we can talk about and that we can study and will forever as a church be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and his gifts and his power in our lives. One of our values as a church is miracles are normal. And the question that we ask is, is the supernatural an increasing part of our lifestyle? And so I just want to encourage you to really study the scriptures for the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has much to say about that third person of the Trinity. And today I want to preach to you on the subject of charismata, or another way of saying that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of the best passages of Scripture on the gifts of the Spirit is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. And I'm believing that not only as I preach this, that this would bring, I guess, an illumination to your mind, an understanding, a renewal of your thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm praying that at the uh, back end of this message, as we pray together and take a moment to worship God together, that there's going to be a direct transference, a great impartation of the Spirit of God in your life, and that God would begin to awaken and activate the gifts of the Spirit in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 11, and Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, and I would add, and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Another way of saying that is, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone." Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, Paul says in verse 11, are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, it was several uh, years ago when uh, my family and I were on holidays and we were nearing the end of that holiday, getting ready to drive back to the city of Melbourne where we live and uh, I noticed on the dashboard of my new car there was a uh, warning light that I needed to fill the car up with oil. And so we had recently uh, purchased this new car. It was a European car, and I'd never driven a European car before. And so we'd only had it a few weeks, and, uh, <clears throat> and this oil light came on. And so when we left the dealership, when we purchased the car, 
the dealer said to us, if you haven't worked on an uh, engine of a European car before, my encouragement to you is don't touch it. Uh, don't look at it, don't touch it, because you might get some things wrong if you try and do that. Well, me being me, on holidays, I'm like, well, you know, I've changed oil many times before in this car, uh, in cars. I know what I'm doing. Uh, we can work this out. And so we went to uh, the petrol station, we got the, the relevant oil for the car, and then I asked the kids who are in the back of the car, uh, come out for a teaching moment with Dad. Famous last words. And uh, I said, kids, it's a teaching moment, come out, and Dad is going to teach you how to uh, fill the car up with oil, because you're going to need to know this one day. Meanwhile, it was probably going to be a decade before they ever drive a car, but we're all big believers in preparing our kids for the realities of life. And so I opened the bonnet and I realised that as I looked at this engine, I haven't got a clue where things are because I haven't dealt with a European car before and there was quite a few differences. But I'm like, let's not let on to the kids that dad has got no idea. We're going to focus and we're going to get this thing through. And so I found the cap that I thought was looked like where it needed to be for the oil. There was no symbols or signatures or anything. So I unscrewed the cap and I began to pour the oil in. I, I'm telling the kids this is what you do. Then I'm looking where I could check the oil, couldn't find that. And so then I screw that back up and we all hop back into the car and I felt like a real dad and a real man that I've taught the kids what to do with a car engine when it comes to oil. Well, my wife drives me around the, the fitness centre and I do a quick workout and then she comes back and picks me up and then we're heading back home. And when she picks me up, in the car park, the, the bonnet, the front bonnet of the car is up and she's looking at the engine. And I'm like, honey, what's going on? And she's like, uh, teaching moment, Corey. Um, when you drove away, the oil light kept on coming up. And I wanted to check where the oil needed to go or what was going on with the oil. And she said, you actually put the oil where the coolant fluid should go. And I'm like rebuking the devil. I'm like, this can't be. I'm like, you know, I know what to do with this sort of thing. Needless to say, we discovered I had in fact put the oil in the wrong place. And so my teaching moment for the kids became a teaching moment for dad. And it was my ignorance of how that particular engine worked or where things were that led to the misuse of where to put the oil. Well, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he begins this whole teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit by saying, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. Why? Ignorance of your gift leads to impotence in your ministry. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have not only a gift, but you have a ministry. And when you don't understand how the gifts of the Spirit work, how they are to actually operate and complement other members in the body of Christ, it leads to an abuse of those gifts and a misuse of those gifts. The Corinthians were misusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit out of ignorance. And as a result, whatever you are ignorant of, you will tend to abuse. The answer to the misuse of the gifts 
isn't the non-use. It isn't to stop using the gifts. The problem isn't spiritual gifts. The problem is an immaturity when it comes to the use of the gifts. The answer to misuse isn't non-use. It's the proper use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church. And so I believe that today we need to shine the light of God's Word on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and actually build a healthy expression of the gifts in our lives, build a healthy culture in the life of our church of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not shove them under the carpet somewhere and just go, you know what, we've seen some excess in the past or some abuse of the gifts, therefore the problem is with the gifts. No, the problem is in our immature handling of the gifts, but when we shine the light of God's truth on the gifts of the Spirit and we see modelled to us uh, in our church services, when we see modelled to us in our life groups and in our daily lives, a mature, healthy expression of the gifts, we find those gifts are supernatural abilities given to us to help us fulfil the purpose and destiny and be a witness to the world of the love and power of Jesus Christ. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul begins to highlight to us, are diverse in operation. The gifts of the Spirit are diverse in operation. The Bible says in verse 4 and 5, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And what the Apostle Paul does, he then goes through, a representative list, not an exhaustive list, but a representative list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He talks about wisdom. He talks about knowledge. He talks about the gift of faith. He talks about healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning between spirits. The list goes on. And he is giving us a picture of the diversity of the gifts, and he's drawing a parallel between the diversity of the gifts and the diversity in the Godhead. Just as there is a Trinitarian nature to God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there is a diverse nature to the expression of the gifts in our lives. And just as there is diversity within the unity of the Godhead, God in one, we worship, we're in relationship with one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all have the unique purpose and unique expression in our lives. So too, there is a diversity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that only really can be understood and expressed effectively in the unity of the rest of the body of Christ. God intended every single spiritual gift to be complementary to the rest of the gifts in the body of Christ. These gifts are not supposed to be isolated. They're not supposed to be independent of each other. They're actually supposed to complement, not compete with other gifts in the body of Christ. Christ. And a great illustration of this was an uh, advertisement on TV that I came across years ago. Why don't you keep looking to the screens as we watch a clip of different parts of a car and what happens when they all come together. Watch this. 
You see, just as the different parts of a car can only work effectively when it's connected in unity with the rest of the car, so too God intended the diversity of your gift, the gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you, to work most effectively when it's in unity with the rest of the body. If there is a part of our body that isn't where it's supposed to be, it gets a little bit weird. And sometimes in the body of Christ, that there are parts of the body that are actually not in its place, isolated, disconnected, independent. But as the parts of the body, as the gifts of the Holy Spirit come together and work together, all of a sudden we see that the purpose and intention that God had for that gift is fully realized. The potential of it is actually maximized. You see, that's why comparing your gift to somebody else's gift is a pointless exercise because you end up competing with people instead of completing people in what it is that God has actually called you to do. In the natural world, in the animal kingdom, you don't see elephants when you go and visit the zoo looking longingly at the reptile enclosure, just wishing to be holed up behind that window and slithering around like a snake. You don't see bears wanting to be like dolphins. You don't see eagles just desperately wanting to be with the monkeys and picking things out of each other's skin. That would be weird because in the animal kingdom, one, they don't have the intelligence to even work out that they can compare. But two, it's not how they've been designed. You need to understand you make a bad imitation, but you are a perfect original. If two of us are identical, one of us isn't necessary. So stop comparing your gift to somebody else's gift because it will just result in competition. Your gift is a revelation of your purpose and your destiny and what it is that God's called you to do. And as you understand your gift, as you understand the diversity and yet the unity of the operation of that gift, you can actually make a huge difference in other people's lives. Not only that, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are what we call singular in origin. They all come from one source. The Bible says in verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, the Greek word for spiritual in this passage is pneumatikos, where we get the word pneumatic and even the word pneuma, uh, the, the name or the word that our church is named after by the Holy Spirit. And as a tire is filled with air, so a gift is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is really important that we understand this distinction. You see, when it's your birthday, people celebrate you by choosing to give you a gift. They go to a store, they go to a shop, or they go online, they purchase a gift, and depending upon whether they can or not, they'll wrap that gift up, and they'll bring that, and they'll give that externally to themselves. They'll say, Ernie, you're a great man, we want to celebrate you and honour you for your birthday today, have a, have a great life, enjoy the next 12 months, and here is a gift. It, it's, we've been very thoughtful, we've thought about it, uh, we've spent lots of money on this, but here here is a gift that is not necessarily me giving myself as a gift, that would be a little bit weird, but it is a gift that is external to myself. 
when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when God gives you a spiritual gift, he doesn't give you a gift separate or external to himself. He gives you himself. He literally fills that gift with himself. And when he expresses himself through you, through that gift, it's God himself in you, prophesying, teaching, discerning in spirits, interceding, exercising wisdom. It's not a gift separate and external to himself. This is an important distinction. Your gift is actually a revelation of God to the world, of the living presence of God in your life. And when your gift is in operation, God is manifesting himself to the world around you. Spiritual gifts are actually supernatural abilities given by the Holy Spirit at spiritual birth. Before you came into a saving, uh, uh, salvation experience with God, you were dead in your sin. Your spirit was literally dead. And so whilst you had some natural talents inherited because of your natural birth, or maybe because of the environment that you actually grew up in, uh, certain talents and abilities were cultivated in your life. But when you get saved, God actually gives you freely given gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural abilities that actually help you to fulfill your purpose and your calling, but to be a witness of God across the earth. And whilst we are exhorted to earnestly desire the higher gifts, which for me, I believe Paul is speaking about the most relevant gift at the time, it's so important that we understand we're not to chase the gift, but we're in fact to chase the giver and the source of the gift. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not only diverse in operation, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are singular in origin. God is the source. God is the originator of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. Not only that, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are purposeful in manifestation. There is a purpose to the manifesting of the gifts in your life. The Bible says in verse 7 of this passage, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, the Greek word for manifestation is the word phanerosis, and it means what God manifests in me must edify others through me. Let me say that again. What God manifests in you must edify others through you. Now, there are two seas in Israel. The first sea is the Sea of Galilee, which has an outlet to it. The second sea is the Dead Sea. There is no outlet in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea cannot support life in it. And the reason is, is because fresh water flows in from the Jordan River, but nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. And without an outlet, the salt concentration increases as much as eight times that of ocean water, and nothing can live without an outlet, hence why it's called the Dead Sea. 
I want to tell you today, God has not created you to simply be, uh, for everything to come to you and not to go through you. God has created you to be a conduit, not a container of his presence. He's created you to be a river that flows, not a dam that contains. An impression of the Spirit without an expression of the Spirit will leave a depression in your spirit. And you might find yourself as a follower of Christ, maybe feeling bored in your relationship with God, maybe feeling a little bit down or depressed about the giftings, the callings and the purpose that you don't see being manifested in your life. And it's, and it often is because many of us aren't taking responsibility to express what God has impressed upon our hearts. God gives you the gift, but he expects it to go through you into the lives of other people around you. Your gift isn't for personal admiration, it's for corporate edification. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the body. You know, years ago when I started preaching, I stopped asking my wife uh, a long time ago, how did I preach today? That's a question around performance. It's not a bad question, it's just not the best question. And depending upon the response, I would have an emotional response in my own heart about whether I feel good about myself based upon my performance. But there's got to come a point where your gift becomes more than about how did you perform, but was anybody helped today? Did anybody actually receive anything that would help them and encourage them and minister to them? One question is about performance. The other question is about purpose. You need to understand the purpose for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit in your life is not for you to worry about who's recognizing your gift. It's for you to focus on who's receiving your gift and your ministry because the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. See, I believe if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. And so many of us are worried about certain things coming to us, and we're not concerned about certain things going through us. It, it, you can apply this to finance. You can apply this to love. You can apply this to friendship. You can apply this to the power of God. You can apply this to ministry. If God can get it through you, he will always bring it to you. Stop worrying about what's coming to you and get more focus on what's going through you to be a blessing into other people's lives. And God will always supply what you need. He'll always give you and add to you all these other things as you seek for the one thing, the one priority that is most important and that is the kingdom of God manifesting through you into other people's lives. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it. Don't just sit on it. Don't just admire it. Use it to serve one another as stewards of God's very grace. So we're following a pattern here with the Apostle Paul. He's told us the gifts of the Spirit are diverse in operation. He's told us the gifts of the Spirit are singular in origin and the gifts of the Spirit are purposeful in manifestation. But it's so important that we understand where these gifts came from. The gifts of the Spirit are sovereign in distribution. Paul says it like this in verse 11. He says, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit 
who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And this is the, where the title of our message comes in, charismata, which is just a plural noun of the word charisma, the Greek word charisma. It means freely given. You need to understand that the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to you are freely given. They are not a reward for good behavior. Don't you dare believe the lie that I must be a better Christian before God can use me. The truth is God uses all of us in spite of us. Power is not the market share of really holy people. Holiness is important because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And holiness is a desire of our heart because he is holy and we want to be like God. But you need to understand that power, the power of the Spirit, and when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it's accessed by God's sovereign grace and your faith. I remember the first time I preached over 20 years ago, and I wrote 11 pages of notes. True story. I repented after that. And, and I, every little thing, you know, the welcome to everyone, everything was written out because I was learning. And when you're learning, you just, you know, do what you can to get the job done. I even, I preached for an hour, right? And halfway through my message, I even got people up in the congregation to give each other a back massage just to keep them engaged, right? And so uh, I, I wasn't as, as sharp as what I wanted to be back 20 years ago when it came to the operation of the gift. But as that message went on, all of a sudden, everyone in that room, including myself, became aware that there was a presence. The atmosphere was charged with the presence of God. There was something beginning to shift in that room. And all of a sudden, as we moved into the response and altar call of that message, I started to get words of knowledge and prophecy for people, people who were afflicted by demons and spiritual strongholds in their life, started to manifest and get set free by the power of the name of Jesus. People who had come into that service late had actually walked into the foyer and were slain in the spirit, laid out flat, physically affected in response to the presence of God in that life. People started to get saved and people are looking at me. Those who knew me were looking at me like, who is this guy? He's another person. I'm looking at God going, what the heck are you doing? I'm going to get into lots of trouble because it was a conservative Christian environment. But it was like God, by his sovereign grace and through my faith was moving in power, moving in authority. If I could repeat it every time, I would, but it was a demonstration of the sovereignty of God over my life and over my ministry. And I remember sitting down at the end of that message and I thought to myself, if that's what God has called me to do, if this is ministry, where do I sign on the bottom line? I am in. I've never experienced something so amazing in all my life. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when the power of God begins to manifest in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'd be amazed at what God does in you and through you and how he uses you. And your gifts, when it begins to be activated, will make you look really good. But don't you dare forget where that gift came from. It came from the throne room of heaven. It came from the Spirit of God who sovereignly distributes on our lives. You see, your gift isn't about you. Some of you need to write that down today. 
because you've been making your gift about you. Your gift isn't about you. My gift isn't about me. It's not about building a platform for me. If I'm building my platform, I'm building on sand. It's unsustainable. But when God builds your platform, you realise your gift isn't about you. It's about manifesting His glory to people all around about us, to serve people, to love people, and to empower people into their own personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus Christ. You see, if there's anything I've learned about the Apostle Paul's teaching on the gifts of the Spirit and in my own life about the gifts of the Spirit, it's this, what God appoints you to, He anoints you for. What God appoints you to, He anoints you for. It just makes you feel good saying it. What God appoints you to, He anoints you for. With every appointing in your life, there is an anointing. God doesn't call you and leave out the gifts that you need to be out of function in that calling. He didn't call Moses to be a deliverer of God's people, but leave out the anointing to move in miracles and signs and wonders. God didn't call David to be king of Israel, but leave out an anointing, a gift of leadership in his life. He didn't call Esther to simply look good and get an audience in front of the king. That was a natural ability and talent that complemented the gift of faith that was inside of her to actually go to the king and ask and request for help with God's people. You see, a lot of the things that we take for granted, that open doors for us, that give us favour before man, is, is the grace and anointing of God's spirit upon our lives, making room for us, the Bible says your gift makes room for you. God didn't call Elijah to be a prophet to Israel, but leave out the gift of revelation. What am I saying? God doesn't call you to something and leave out the gift. When he calls you, he anoints you. And when he appoints you, he empowers you to do what it is that he has in fact called you to do. And you need to know Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, it says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. This is what that means. It's without repentance. When God calls you and gifts you, he is not going to call those gifts and calling back. Once he extends his hand and sovereignly distributes, we are now responsible. This is, these gifts are not something that we can take personal pride in, but we must take personal responsibility for. We now have a responsibility to activate the gifts that God has given to us, not to sit on them, not to admire them, not, not to compare or compete with anybody else's gift. There is a room for every single believer at the feast and at the table of ministry, wherever you find yourself. You know, some people just look at what I do and they look on the platform and maybe the staff and go, you know, that's real ministry. Oh, when I get there, that God's really using me. Listen, God has called you right where you are. He's put things right in your hands where you are. Don't you dare wait for some someday, someplace out there where everything is going to just open up to you and begin. You begin right where you are. 
before I ever preached on a platform to lots of thousands of people. I was preaching to an empty auditorium, preparing messages in my devotional time, getting ready for the day that God would open up further doors, but I had to be faithful with what God put in my hand. I set up the chairs. I actually ministered to people when no one was looking and nothing was happening. And so many of us are frustrated in the body of Christ because we're hoping, wishing, working towards some door opening to us. And when the door has always been open to us, God is coming to you today and he's saying, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. And whatever doors I open, says the Lord, you can't shut. And whatever doors God shuts, no man can open. So rather than wishing and hoping for some place out there where everything is going to go really well and it's all going to open up to you, start right where you are. Start If you're a teacher, start studying the Word of God. If you have prophetic gifts or that, that grace in your life, start spending more time with God than ever before, hearing the voice of God. Start reading up on the gift that God has given to you. If you've got a leadership gift, don't wait until somebody asks you. Start to be an influence in your daily life, wherever you find yourself yourselves. Whatever the gift of God is in your life, it's time to activate it. It's time to awaken to it. It's time to be appointed to it because this is not a time in these COVID restrictions for us to simply wait for what's on the other side. God wants to use you now. God's purposes don't change for your life just because you're going through a a pandemic or work looks different or life looks different. You're still you and God's still God and Jesus is still on the throne and the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit, and it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. I'm just feeling good preaching this to you today because I'm recognizing that the enemy tries to come to us in our own lives and he sows lies into our minds about our identity. Don't equate your identity with your gift. You're going to get really unstuck. And and when you start to equate your identity with success or stuff or status, that's the lies of the enemy. And so many people, even in the church, let alone in the world, are stuck in their lives, stuck in a rut of brokenness when it comes to their identity because they're measuring their worth by their performance rather than through the filter of the cross and what Jesus Christ has done in their life. But as you become secure in the identity that God has given to you, and as you reject the lie of the enemy in your mind and in your life, all of a sudden you become free to express the gift that God has put inside of you, what God has appointed you to, He will anoint you for, and so you can rejoice and be who you are in God and love the life that God has given to you and use the gifts that God has given to you and be on the journey towards greater expressions of that gift in your life because you are secure in Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're anointed to do what God has called you to do. You see, you've got to understand that moving in the gifts of the Spirit Awakening the gifts of the Spirit begins with desire. Paul said, earnestly desire the greater gifts. I believe he's talking about the gift that's most relevant at that point in your life. If I walk into a hospital room 
and someone is sick on that hospital bed and they're already a believer in Jesus. They don't need me to preach the gospel to them. They need me to move in a gift of healing and faith in Jesus' name. So Paul says, desire the greater gifts. Not only that, but we've got to discover our gift through serving in the life of the church and serving the greater world around us. Don't just go and do a spiritual gifts profile and think, oh, well, the results tell me that uh, I've got apostolic gifts and I've got this gift and that gift, therefore I am this. That may give you 1% to 2% insight into the gift on your life or what the wiring is, but in fact what you need to do is just start serving and your gift will find you. you dis- your, your gifting is your discovery, it's not your decision. A lot of people are trying to decide their destiny and it's not helped in school when the careers teacher who's still trying to work out what on earth they're on the planet for is says to the kids, what do you want to do when you grow up? And the kid is like in year nine and the kid doesn't have any clue what they're going to do at lunchtime, let alone what they're going to do when they grow up because we build into culture this concept that your destiny is your decision. No, it isn't. Your destiny is your discovery as you walk with Jesus and you start serving and you engage with what it is that God's called you to do. You start to realise, hey, this gift is in my life. And then others start to point out, oh, look what God is doing in your life. It's amazing when God uses you that way. And as others begin to witness to the grace and the gift that's upon your life, watch what God begins to do in your life life and ministry. So we desire it, we discover it, but then we have to develop it. Paul said, don't neglect the gift that was given you when the council of elders laid their hands upon you or that you received through prophecy. Once you have been entrusted with an illumination and an understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, develop it, practice it, educate yourself around it, don't neglect it. Don't wait until someone gives you a platform to prophesy. Actually start in your daily life, in a cafe, when you're at the petrol station, when you're going about your daily work. Ask God to speak to you on behalf of others. And finally, not only do you develop it, but you most develop it as you deploy it, which is all about activating your faith. Every gift that will manifest in power in your life must be activated by faith. And this is one of the reasons why I'd encourage every one of us to pray for the gift of faith because the gift of faith activates all the other gifts. It's when we grow in our understanding of faith and say, God, would you empower me and trust me the gift of faith that then you can begin to believe in impossible circumstances for the most relevant gift that will meet the need in that circumstance. And as we do that, all of a sudden, we start to see the power of God manifest in our lives in an amazing way. Well, in a moment, I actually want to pray for us to be activated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said in in Romans, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. And we're going to go back into worship together in just a moment. But before we do, why don't we just pray to prepare our hearts for what the Holy Spirit is about to reveal to us and what God is about to do in our lives. Why don't you close your eyes and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the anointing of the Spirit that, Lord, when you call us to something, when you appoint us to something, you, are, you, you give us the capacity and ability, the supernatural awareness and supernatural ability to complement that call in our lives. And Father, as we just make ourselves available,
And as we just open up our hearts to you right now, Lord, as we worship you, as we think about what we've heard today, I am praying in the name of Jesus for an impartation, a transference from heaven to our hearts, an activation, oh God, through this prayer, that even though we can't be all in the same room together, lay hands upon each other. In a moment, I'm gonna encourage you to lay hands upon yourself. Maybe if you're with family, lay hands upon each other and we're gonna pray for an activation and an impartation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it comes through the doorway of availability. If your heart's not available, if your heart is not open, if the door of your heart is not ajar with hope and faith and the possibility of what God can do with your life, then those gifts that God has given to you will stay dormant. And I'm gonna ask you right now as we worship, why don't you open up your heart? Why don't you fling wide the door of your heart and say, God, would you activate in me today? Not just the faith to believe, but a direct transference, an impartation of your power and your anointing in my life so that I may fulfill the call that's upon my life and I may use the gifts that you've sovereignly given to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.